0: This is Zion Hebraic Congregation with me, Luke Tanner. Today's Shabbat messages by my dad, Warren Tanner, is from the book of First John. Uh, it is entitled, Titan the Tribe. You can find all of our archived Shabbat messages on our website, zionhebraiccongregation.com. You can also get them wherever you get your podcasts. And you can also subscribe to my dad's weekly essays that he puts out on our website, and as always, our theme music is by my buddy, Evan Shaw. Uh, you can find his, all his stuff at his website, evanshawmusic.com. Enjoy. Hey, mighty warriors are yeah.
1: All right, so this morning, turn in your Bibles to 1 John. 1 John, chapter 1. 1 John, chapter 1. We're going to read chapter 1 and we're going to read chapter 2. I'm going to read straight through it. You can follow along, and then uh, we'll proceed from there. So first John chapter one, and we're going to read all the way through chapter two. <clears throat> basically we're we're going to read this because I just want you to get a feel for the book. If you've read my blog, i I, I talked a little bit on on John and his writings and how he's very, he's very, non-grayish <laughs> he, he does not reside in gray at all he's black or white and in my blog I, I put a bunch of things that he contrasts in his writings like light and dark saved and not saved child of God not a child of God Abel Cain and Abel there's all these um, contrasts that he puts together and, and it's because of the time in which they were living and it's the same time that we live in and all people of God live in we need to have clear lines of demarcation. We cannot, as God's people live in, where most of us a lot of times live, the nebulous area of gray. Um, and and, it's, it's beca- and we're, see- we're seeing now where it's kind of biting us in the rear because we are faced with something we haven't been faced with in America as a Christian church at least in a long time, and definitely my lifetime, to where, what do we do? What do we do? The governments tell us to do this, and what, what's the Bible saying? We're really scrambling. And I think we've been kind of, we've been bitten in the butt because we've not been prepared. We've been at ease in our own Zion. And, and we've lost our way. We don't even know what way to go. And now we're dependent upon the government to tell us what to do. We're looking to the Constitution. We're trying to find lawyers Nothing wrong with that, but the guy behind the pulpit is supposed to have at least a few answers. This is driving me absolutely nuts, and it would be driving John nuts. He doesn't like gray, so he writes, and I'm going to tell you what I'm going to say in a minute, but he writes so that God's people will have some clear direction and some insight and the ability to perceive and look and conclude biblically as to what the heck is up. So, we're going to read this just to give you a, a flavor of where he is and how straightforward he is. And we need this because we're facing things that um, call for clarity, not ambiguity. Big I can't say that word. So let's pray and then we'll read. Father, bless this time. Use it for your glory. Um, gosh, God help us. In Yeshua's name. Amen. All right. Verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled the word of life. For the life was manifested and we've seen it and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen, and heard, declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father, and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. This, then, is the message, which we have heard of him, and declare unto you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. So there's a contrast, so just be on the lookout for them today and whenever you read So, here's the message. God's light, no darkness in him at all. Six, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Another contrast, lies and truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And He is the propitiation for our sins, not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby we do know that we know Him, if we keep His commandments. He that saith, I know Him, and keepeth not His commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth His word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in Him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which ye have heard from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which ye have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past, and the true light now shineth. He that saith he is in the light, and hateth his brother, is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brothers is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth, because that darkness has blinded his eyes. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven, you for his name's sake. I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because you have known the Father. I have written unto you, fathers, because you have known Him. That is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, uh, written unto you, young men, because ye are strong in the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked. I just want to throw in something here. This is just me. Don't know if I'm right or not. But this passage here, where it talks about I write unto you, little children, then I write unto you, fathers, and young men, and then he repeats it again. The only thing that's The same in that is when he writes to the fathers. I write unto you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning. And then the next time he says it, wherever it is, 14, I have written unto you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning. When he writes to the young people, the first time when he writes to the young people, the second time there's something, the children, there's something different. Then the young men, one way, and then he had something different. I don't know what to make of that, but I'm going to tell you what I think it means. At least in part. Us fathers need to have our act together and stay stable and secure and know what we believe and be consistent and, and offer up stability because the children, they're going to change. They're going to change. The young guys, they're just full of vim and vigor and they're just, they can conquer the world. and But the fathers, they've been young. They've been uh, in between. Now they're older and, and they're supposed to be the guys that are kind of Rock-solid, they're, they're an anchor, something that their kids and others can hold on to. And, and we fathers have an awesome responsibility to be what God wants us to be in relation to our lives, our families, our leadership roles, everything, and be consistent. Now, that's just me. You can do with it what you want. Fifteen. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So he have the love of the world or not the love of the world. More contrast. It's just so good. 16. For all this in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And this world's passing away and the lust thereof. But he that doth the will of God abides forever. Little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists whereby ye know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. I have not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar? But he that denieth that Jesus is a Christ. He is the Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. But he that acknowledges the Son hath the Father also. Let that therefore abide in you which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, Ye also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is a promise that he hath promised unto us, even eternal life. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you. And ye need not that any man teach you, in other words, to recognize these that are in error, but as the same anointing teaches you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of God. And then he just goes on. And then he does it in 2 John, Third John. All right. So here's the title. I've titled this No Dissimulation. No Dissimulation. Slash. And this isn't original with me. Got this from Ashley, but Mike confirmed it this morning talking. No Dissimulation slash tightening the ranks. Right. Tightening the ranks. It's not original with me, but as soon as Ashley said that, oh, she reminded me, I don't see where she is. It was over at you guys. I said, whoa perfect. That's just exactly what I needed. We need to tighten the ranks. I love that. Slash no dissimulation. That's kind of, I'm putting those two together. Alright, now we are entering into a new arena as believers. A new level of conflict. New to us. Not new to necessarily believers around the world and in other countries where there's been persecution, they've learned over many many years how to deal with all this and what they're supposed to do and how to handle it and survive. But for us in America, we are entering new territory. You know, we've always stood firm on the fact that, you know, we're separation of church and state. Okay. Well yeah, well yeah, we were saying that before, what the heck? we are all the pastors now saying that separation of church and state? I don't know if that's a valid argument or not, but I'm just wondering what the heck is going on. And, 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 the, and what's happened is we, I'm just going to talk the way I normally talk. I already said it with Mike. We, especially pastors, we've been caught with our pants down because we've not been in a ready mode of anticipation, expectation, or realization that what Paul tells us over and over and over is we're in a battle. We're in a warfare. And we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and darkness and the rulers and of the, the, the darkness. We're in a warfare. So just because we have politicians and institutions that are favorable towards us, listen, it, doesn't, it changes as we've seen in a heartbeat. It doesn't take a whole lot. And so now we find ourselves kind of in new territory. And that's okay. We're here. What are we going to do? How are we going to navigate? How do we go on from here? I still, I, I get the feeling we're kind of all hoping, me included, that, oh, it's just going to all go back kind of to normal and we, we don't really have to get our mind really geared for that warfare. That's for those sh- poor schmucks that are going to be born 30, 40, 50 years from now. Whenever Jesus is coming back, that's for those guys. And we just know God's going to bless us, and he's going to bless America, and he's going to make it so the churches can go back to being comfortable, fat, dumb, and sloppy, and happy again, and the money will roll in, and life will be good. Am I cynical today? I mean, I'm really feeling it.
0: Golly. Good stuff. You know, so, Amen.
1: I'm the blame. I mean, I, it's, it's... Sorry, thank you, dear. Uh, you know... Uh, So anyway, so what, what do we do? I don't know. I can't tell you how much when Ashley said tighten the ranks. The tribe. tribe. Tighten the tribe. Okay. No, no, that's good. Tighten the tribe. That's better. Tighten the tribe. I love that. that so that's what we have to do. And that's not necessarily what I'm going to preach on, but that, just so you can sense where we're going with this. No dissimulation. All right, now. I couldn't even tell you at this point because I started working on this and plus two other messages early on in the week, and it's like, uh, no dissimulation. You go back on it, if it ever happened to you, you go back over your notes, was like, what the heck was I thinking? But in this section, and, and as I, because I've been rereading and rereading and reading for a 2nd, 3rd John, what I got out of it, my take was no dissimulation, no amb- ambiguity no grayness no waffling no kind of in and out of of how will uh, what do you call those chameleons you know where how can we be the perfect chameleon to just kind of weave in and out of everything change colors and look like a tree if we're sitting on a tree you know John is saying, Enough is enough. We can't do this. And we're starting, he's telling them, to suffer the ramifications of this. And now what is happening is, and this is really interesting, uh, verse 19, well, 18 of chapter 2. Little children, it's the last time. And as you've heard that antichrist shall come, even now are there many antichrists, whereby you know this the last time. Now this part. They went out from us. Wow. These people were inside? These people were in there? And somehow they functioned and nobody knew this? Well, God, tighten the screws like he's doing with us. And, and you were saying it, we kind of know the, the, who's where and who's what and who believes what and who's, who's, what side everybody's on. So 19, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no, no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not of us. And then also verse 26. These things I have written unto you concerning them that seduce you. So what was happening, and and I I was going to read an introduction from my Bible, but there was this maybe early stage of Gnosticism, which basically this is my butchering of it, just started to elevate knowledge that the material world was immaterial and Jesus, maybe he wasn't really God, maybe he wasn't really eternal, maybe he wasn't really in the flesh, maybe he wasn't who he was supposed to he was. And so there was this, this emphasis on trying to reason things out and it sounded seductive and it was starting to allure people away from the truth because these people who are, Out to attack and oppose God, they are very knowledgeable of their position. They know how to word it in such a way that if we are not keeping our minds uh, attuned to what the Scripture says, we're going to miss it. We're going to miss it. You know, I've seen a lot of people over the years. A lot, too many. I've seen people over the years decide, well, they're going to learn about the cults, or they're going to learn about this religion or they're going to learn about that religion, so that they'll be knowledgeable. That has done more damage. Uh, I'm using, I, I always overdo my words. It hasn't done more damage. It has done a lot of damage. We don't need to, and I learned this from Lester Rolfe, you don't need to do all that stuff. If you will immerse yourself in the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit, we have that unction, where does it say, 20, but you have an unction. We have the Holy Spirit within us. He's like, bing, flag, bing, flag, bing, flag. It's just like we've heard it a million times, the guy at the bank does, he's, he's taught what real money t- feels like, am I right? So that when the false one comes around, he automatically can tell the, the false from the true because he's handled so much true money, he knows what the false money is. We don't have to... And that's why he says, you don't need to be taught. You have this unction. You know, it's not knowledge. He's trying to combat the, the Gnosticism that's happening. And what he's saying is, you guys have the Holy Spirit. You have the Word of God. You've had us uh, 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 as the apostles teaching you. So you should be able to recognize truth from error. So... Um Warren, can I just... uh,
0: Yeah, yeah. The uh, Jude, who is the... uh, I don't realize he's the half-brother of Jesus, says in Jude 4, for certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So a way to know who these people are is that they deny Christ mm-hmm. in some way, yeah. or deny his commands, like you're saying? Yeah, you're right. They've come in unnoticed.
1: Yes, unnoticed. And in the and and not that that's not going to happen. It's go, they're going to get in there because you know we can't police everybody. I wish I could say here's a 20 questionnaire and fill it out. Maybe we should. I don't know, but I don't want to get to that level. It's to where we get to know one another. To, and this is the point of my message: no dissimulation. So we know. That's why a fellowship is so important, so we get to know one another, so that we understand one another, see what everybody, one another's like. Because I see this as a tribe, was it tie, tie in the tribe? tighten the tribe? Yeah, Titan the tribe. Yeah, TT, Titan the tribe. We have to be united and know at a moment's notice that I can trust Mike, he'll have my back. And I won't ever have to question that. and I'm getting ahead of myself. I said it with Eric who comes. I told Luke this. I told Eric last time he was here. I said, Eric, I just told Luke the other day. I said, I know you'll have my back. And you will be there for me if I need you. He said, absolutely. Because he's come into our tribe and has liked what he has seen he's asked multiple questions he's told us what he believes he's identifying now with us and he's told us he, that he loves us guys because of what we are purporting to be now that guy is depending upon us he's depending upon us and we cannot let one another down when it comes the time to stand with one another Now let me, I'm I'm going around rambling to Hoot's Barn here. Let me just read this, and and I'm not going to be long if I can ever just shut up and read what I have. All right. Introduction. John knew that the enemies of the faith were attempting to infiltrate and pick off the vulnerable believers. And that's what we looked at, 219-26. He wasn't going to allow that to happen. Therefore, he writes to these believers delineating the need for no gray areas in their lives of faith and, by way of extension, in their fellowship with each other. No gray areas at all. All right, now, I'm using the word dissimulation. We're going to look at a passage in a minute. No dissimulation. No dissimulation implies an openness and honesty with our own selves personally, And with each other, so that no one close to us will be surprised by our actions in the moment when solidarity is needed. I'm going to read it again. No dissimulation implies an openness and honesty with our own selves personally and with each other, so that no one close to us will be surprised by our actions in the moment when solidarity is needed. No second-guessing each other. I do not want you to be let down by me. Now, I'm not, I'm in, in the realm of what we're going to do and how we're going to obey Scripture and, and what we stand for, I don't want to disobey you, uh, disappoint you and I don't want you to disappoint me. We cannot go into warfare, and, and I wrote it somewhere, Police depend on each other to have each other's back, right? It has to be a given or it's all going to crumble. Soldiers are the same way. They develop these bonds so that when they are thrown into the mess, that guy will have my back. No second guess. And so I'm, I, I can't speak firsthand on police or. or military but i'm assuming you kind of since koi's life is dependent upon that other cop over there well then that cop also knows that his life is dependent upon koi's it just makes sense to me as soldier to soldier i want to know what this guy's like so that when i am really in life and death situation or have to stand for our case for our faith i don't have to wonder where mike's gonna be i i don't want to have to wonder if he's just gonna you know Everybody here knows I'm, I'm worked up. I'm very uh, arms flailing. You know what I'm like. You know what you're going to get. And I don't want you to have to second guess that. And I don't want to have to second guess you. And we cannot second guess one another. I, I don't know. I'm going to speak for you. But I think you guys have been, from what i understanding, expecting certain pastors perhaps to be a certain way. And they're just not really...
0: Yeah, I think we've all seen it though in our personal lives. On social media has allowed that to come to the front too. To know where our tribe is on certain
1: things. Yeah, I mean, we we should not be second guessing the pastors behind the pulpits. Mm We we should not have to hear from a pastor that says, you know, I won't stand with your your organization on abortion until you tell me where you stand on Black Lives Matters. (laughs) You're a pastor. All lives matter. I don't care if it's a purple life. If they all matter. That's not even a question. These aren't questions. This is this is not a discussion. And so, if pastors are screwed up, it comes down to the tribe. All right. Now, a couple of illustrations, maybe, of of what I'm trying to say here. I'm not going to be too personal i'm going to try to make this general all right so i do know a person a friend that i've known for a long time and we were having a discussion and, and this is just going to open up a can of worms just don't get sidetracked with me here i come from a basic perspective that we understand god's people that catholics need to be saved but for some reason, in the last 20, 25, 30 years, that's become kind of. Gee, I don't know. Catholics are saved, aren't they? Aren't they saved? Aren't Catholics saved? Can't you be saved Catholic and stay in the Catholic Church? See, I, this is new. This is new. This this wasn't when I got saved early on. This wasn't what the forefathers of my faith talked about. Now we're not anti-Catholic, and we're not anti anything. And I'm not. I, I'm not. I'm not shooting the gun at at anybody here. (sighs) But I'm concerned that when I talk to a believer in Christ that I've known for many years on a basic tenet of faith, to be surprised. And I have been over the years. It's like, what what planet am I on? Now... What always happens is, look, you're being unkind, you're being unloving. You know, they, they talk about accepting Jesus, and they say they're born again just like Mel Gibson did. Yes, I'm born again, and I've said a million times. He didn't lie when the preachers from Dr. Dobson, if I got this right, had him come, and, and they give him a standing ovation because the pastor says, are, are you born again? He stands up there and says, yes. Good for you. Yay. He's our brother. Well, come on. This is what I'm talking about. Okay, I'm going to take him at his word. And you know what? He did not lie. It's just that we're too stupid to know what Catholic doctrine says and the terminology that they use is the same terminology we use. They're born again when they take the wafer. He didn't lie. Yes, he's born again. Mel Gibson was coming back to the Catholic Church. But that was a big deal, big issue, and, and pastors were just loading up buses to go see this movie. You know? A little bit of discernment, please. You know, and, and the problem is, we don't we don't know anything. We think we know what, we, what things are, but we don't. So you know what I did? I went and got myself, before I opened up my big mouth, because I don't know what I'm talking about, I got myself a Catholic catechism, and I read the dumb thing. Not all the way through, but enough to realize. I'm sitting there thinking, whoa, they didn't know this, I didn't know this. They, they use the same language that I do, so, you know. No wonder we're having such a difficult time because we're both using the same words. They know what they mean. We know what we mean. We think they're meaning the same thing we are. The Catholics know we're not meaning the same thing they are. And it's right there in their own writings. Let me, let me ask you this. I'm really all over the place here. Okay, say we would not... We don't use the same logic in relation to Muslims. Can a Muslim be saved and still stay and be a Muslim? If that's a question we're wrestling with, the problems are bigger than I think they are. Can you be a Buddhist and get saved and still be a Buddhist? You know, Do we not come out from anything anymore? See, we, we, we somehow want to, we're struggling with this Catholic issue, and this is a big issue. In evangelical Christianity, it's bigger than you might want to think. And, and we're not taking a strong stance on this like Spurgeon and, and our forefathers used to. Well, we wouldn't say, oh yeah, Muslim—he's oh, the Muslim said he's born again. He's asked Jesus into his heart. Well, is he, where, where, he's still going back to the mosque and he's still fellowshipping over there. And he, he's, he's still over there. And he, how long he's been? He's been there for months. But yet he says he believes Jesus. Well, maybe he does believe in Jesus, but not the same way that we believe in Jesus. I'm getting looks from here. We we don't know what the Catholic Catechism says. This is interesting. I've read it to you before. Paragraph 841, the church's relationship with Muslims. This is what the Catholic Catechism says. The plan of salvation also includes those who acknowledge uh, the Creator. In the first place, amongst whom are the Muslims. They profess to hold the faith of Abraham, and together with us, they adore the one merciful God, mankind's judge on the last day. Mm. We well, see, we don't know. Yeah. Listen, I am not smart. I am not a real educated person. And because of that, I have to go teach myself, learn myself, and ask questions. So I'm saying, whoa, there's a whole area here I don't know very much about. So I, I decide I'll go to the source. I don't care what anybody else says. I got to know for myself. And I read this. The plan of salvation also includes those who acknowledge the creator. In the first place, amongst whom are the Muslims. They profess to hold the faith of Abraham, and together with us, they adore the one merciful God, mankind's judge, on the last day. Hmm. All right, now, also what is interesting, and then they go on, it's this whole section in here. Uh, Okay, outside the church, there is no salvation, paragraph 846. Mm, uh, Let's see, hold on, is that what I want? How are we to understand the affirmation oft-repeated by the church fathers? It means that all salvation comes from Christ, the head, through the church, which is his body. Being itself on scripture and tradition, the council teaches that the church, a pilgrim now on earth, is necessary for salvation. The one Christ is a mediator on the way of salvation. He is present to us in his body, which is the church. He himself explicitly asserted the necessity of faith and baptism and thereby affirmed at the same time the necessity of the church which men enter through baptism as a door. Hence, they could not be saved who, knowing that the Catholic Church was founded as necessary by God through Christ, would refuse either to enter it or to remain in it. No salvation outside the Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. None whatsoever. I've
0: heard that from Catholics.
1: There's no salvation. Uh, And I'm not I'm not mad at them. I'm not pointing the finger at them. I'm mad at us. Because our evangelical leaders are wanting to hobnob with with the Catholicism. You know, those guys that said on the anniversary of the Reformation, the Reformation is over. There's no need for a reformation. We've come back to the church. Folks, we need no dissimulation. We need to tighten the tribe.
0: Born at our previous church, there was a guy that came in, evangelical, to talk about Muslims. And there, the video said 95%. So is, evangelicals and Muslims have 95% in common. was the statement. And it's interesting because you can, there's pretty clear cut lines, you know, like Christ, right? Like, they came in unnoticed, and what was the difference? Their belief in Christ. It's always it's always Yeshua that's yeah. the difference yeah. right at least because the Muslims as you know right um, they have God has no son yeah. right so that's the big difference so it's like easy one they're not saved right but then Jude talks about the um, trading the grace of God for licentiousness yeah. so then you have this other category which is like okay now how do we tell the difference between something that might be nuanced for something you know and then you kind of have to you know, like, Mel Gibson's a good example, right? He comes in and says, I'm bored again. Okay, well, then let's kind of take a little, let's look a little deeper. You know, like, what's your view on homosexuality? What's your view on marriage? What's your, you know what I'm saying? You kind
1: of- yeah, yeah, we have to not be afraid to ask questions. Yeah. You know, I started to do that back when we were meeting in the other building, and we were having so many different people come in and, and And I just took it on myself to just nicely try to ask people, you know, when they come in, and I still do this with new people, you know, talk with them a little bit, so I said, oh, good, so are are you born again? Do you know Christ as your personal Savior? And you'd be amazed at the answers you get or don't get. That's just a basic question. I would not be affronted if somebody asked me that question. If I go into their congregation, I would say, yes, I found a place that actually cares enough to protect their flock and be concerned for me to ask. There's nothing wrong with this, but somehow we've gotten away from this. And and if you read Paul's writings, if you read John's writings, they were very cautious as to who they let come in because even from your own selves, Paul says, shall false prophets and wolves appear. They were trying to teach us this. All right, I'm going to finish this real quick. Go to Galatians and let me just read this and, and we'll be done. So another this is a biblical example uh, of dissimulation and you're all familiar with it. But what I'm saying is amongst ourselves we don't want to have happen what happened in this setting that we're going to read here in Galatians. So Galatians 2 and we'll read 9 through 14. Galatians 2, nine, And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given unto me, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship, that we should go unto the heathen, and they unto the circumcision, verse 10, only they would that we should remember the poor, the same which I also, uh, also was for to do. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face, because he was to be blamed, For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. And the other Jews, here's our word, dissembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, "If thou, being a Jew, livest after the manner of Gentiles, and not as the Jews, why compelest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews?" We see, we don't, I don't want that to happen with us. We, we, I. I I can't make the exact parallel, but we need no dissimulation. I don't need to know that when the Jews come down, the big wigs come down, and I think we're all on the same page, all of a sudden I'm going to find out you guys are running over there and hiding. Well, hey, what's up with that? You've been eating with the Gentiles, now you're over there. What the heck's going on with this? And Paul says, hey, wait a minute here. (laughs) Well, I'm nipping this in the bud, and I'm not even going to try to be real... PC about it. I said before them all, Peter, what the heck is up with you? Can you do better than this? <coughs> ah, no dissimulation. You know, I'm done. Just to say, Gideon practiced this, didn't he? Came time to do battle. Had to take a fortress. Time to get some water, guys. Woo! Look at that. There's a disparage. These guys do it this way. These guys do, do it this way. Wow, I got two groups now. Who do I want to go to battle with? I'll make my choice. I can, with strength of God, with a fewer men that I can trust, to know that they are on guard, they're already looking, they're already prepared, their eyes are gazing while they're trying to take care of themselves. I won't have to worry about them in the battle. The rest of you 30,000 guys, thanks. Thanks, I'm glad you came. I don't need you. I can do it with these 300. It's time we aren't afraid to look that stupid. How stupid would that have looked? I've said a million times, I would have loved to have been in a 30,000 as they're walking home discussing this. What the heck is up with it? What's he think? Oh, yeah, I'd like to see him. He doesn't think he needs us. Well, he's going to see pretty soon. He'll come back to us. wait, guys, wait. No, there was a man who knew what had to be done. He had faith in God. He, he said, I need guys I can trust, and if I have that, I'd rather have 300 compared to 30,000. Let's go to battle. What did he do? Tighten the tribe. Gosh, I'm going to make myself weep. Folks, listen. This is so serious. You've not, and I hate to keep saying it this way, but I've seen so much happen. I said it's a lot. I can remember a day President Kennedy was shot, and now are cowering and doing what the state says to do. When John Bunyan wouldn't take a license to preach, he went to prison. Where are we? We are, we are so dishonoring these men who stood for the truth, and we're just selling them down the river. Why? Because we don't even know anything about these guys anymore. I came to the awareness, I realized that the pulpits no longer were talking about Moody, Spurgeon, Adoniram Judson, these guys. The church no longer talking, I mean our church, our guys, we don't, and we have a whole generation. They don't know. Mention these names that we should know. Spurgeon,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Moody, Sankey. Oh. Oh, well, because we're American. that's you know We're linear. That's back there. That was way back then. We, we as the church, we, we don't believe in evolution, but yet we live like we believe it because we're evolving as the church. We don't need the model that was there in Acts 2. That was for the infant church. Oh, golly. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I don't even know what the heck I'm saying at this point I'm concerned concerned about me. You know all this has made me have to look at me. I've had to dress myself my own wimpiness and 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 fear of of just speaking the truth in love. Oh God, I mean, you know, we are the frog in the pot. America is just been unraveling but it's just unraveled at the seams and and i'm not even all that alarmed though i am that with the unsaved world but i expected so much better from us more clarity less ambiguity more light and dark not the gray and i think we're just afraid father i think we're afraid we'll lose family members i think we're afraid we'll lose church friends. I think we're afraid we'll, we'll lose business customers. I think we're afraid we'll lose our jobs. I think we're just afraid. I'm afraid. <sighs> Somewhere along the line, we're going to have to be like those guys in Acts that said, hey, as far as you, whether we should obey you or not, I, you guys figure that out. We're going to obey God. And we're going to end up in prison? This is nothing new, Father. It's just that we've allowed (sighs) ourselves. Anyway, in Yeshua's name, Amen.
0: Hey, mighty warriors, arise! of your grace in the